Welcome back everybody to the ATP Circuit Cafe. You're with Lewis and we just had the best match of tennis I have seen since Wimbledon, not even that long ago. Carlos Alcaraz and Novak Djokovic once ahead going head to head for three hours and 40-ish minutes. Longest ever Masters 1000 final we've seen. Oh, I just, the emotion throughout the match was very much shown at the end there. If you have not watched that, please come and watch it. My, I've got absolutely zero upholdance of entertainment compared to something like that. There's ducks in the background. Sorry if you hear a duck quack. I think the cats are bullying them. So I always thought Alcaraz and Djokovic would meet each other in the final. And I, I did post on the ATP Circuit Cafe Instagram saying, I hope we get another blockbuster. And boy, oh boy, did we. The fact is, the fact of the matter is, I really only got into the match on the last set because I do live in Australia. And I woke up and I thought the match would be over by the time I woke up. But they'd only just started the last set and I could already tell it'd been a very up and down match. I believe Alcaraz had set points. I saw that on the Reddit. I instantly went to the Reddit status and was updating my feed and trying to catch up on what I'd missed. And and I sat back and witnessed another hour and a half of uh, just amazing. Except Djokovic did struggle to rip his top off at the end there. Unfortunate for him. Dare I say the Joker wasn't too challenged throughout the tournament. Like Misha Zverev in the in the semi final was probably the hardest. It took him to a tiebreaker, but he handled Taylor Fritz promptly. I watched that match. Six love, six four. He beat Fritz in the round of sixteen. Or the quarterfinals. That one was the quarterfinals. Another side of the bracket, Max Purcell made the quarterfinals. He beat Stan Wawrinka on his way there, 6-4-6-2. Before that, Max Purcell beat Casper Ruud, 6-4-3-6-6-4. Where's this bloke come from? I put him in the episode last week, and he's just followed up with a quarterfinal Masters 1000 appearance against Alcaraz. He took a set off him in the first. People couldn't believe it. Good to see that young Aussie coming up the rank because he was a doubles player, Max Purcell. So it's just really interesting to see him peaking. It's just the talent. It's just immense. Another blockbuster of a match did involve Carlos Alcaraz. He took out Tommy Paul, but Tommy Paul made it difficult for him. And those two have had some really good matches over the years. Always embracing well. Paul and Alcaraz are actually two and two head to head. And they've always met in a Masters 1000. So that's interesting. Someone I got disappointed by was Sebi Corder coming into this tournament. I had high hopes for him. Coming up against Borna Koric, one of the easier seeds in the tournament. But he got promptly handled 7-6-6-4. Saw a good match in the first round as well with Matteo Berrettini taking on Felix Auger Aliassime. But Aliassime prevailed 4-6-6-2-6-3. And then he lost to Adrian Manorino, who actually made his way to the quarterfinals because... Mackenzie McDonald beat Holger Rune. So it was interesting, wasn't it? We also saw Emil Rusevori beat Andre Rublev. 7-6 to 10 going the way of Rusevori in the tiebreak in the first set. That was so entertaining to watch. But damn, I'm such a passionate Andre supporter. So it, to be honest, it was hard for me. We saw Aussie Alexi Popperin actually make the quarterfinals beating Emil Rusevori quite convincingly. But he did lose one set 6-1. So I... Was, Popperin can turn off like that sometimes. He just loses the ability to play tennis. But with maturity and age, I swear we'll see it come. He needs to play a bit more like Hubie Hercax, who he actually lost to 6-1-7-6 in the, in the quarterfinal, who came across Alcaraz in the semi and played an absolute brilliant match, but went down 2-6-7-6-6-3. First set, Alcaraz looked a bit rattled against Hubie. He didn't know what to do. 
but Hubie was nailing all these ridiculous serves, so nobody could do anything on a day like that. Oh, one match I watched really early on in the tournament was Ben Shelton and Chris Eubanks, and they actually ended up playing doubles together. But Shelton beat him 5-7-6-4-6-4, but if you go see the highlights of that one, it just provides great entertaining tennis. And the crowd was getting around it as well because, you know, it was in Cincinnati and it's two Americans and they're both coming up and Chris Eubanks had a great year. Ben Shelton's had a great year. I talk about Ben Shelton a lot. I probably should shut up about him. Too much on the hype train, really. Gail Monfils, he had a pretty good run. He beat Cam Norrie, the third eighth seed, 3-6-6-4-6-3, and then beat Alex Demonor, 7-5-6-4. They're both two defensive players, Demonor and Monfils, and provided not the most entertaining of matchups. But Demonor couldn't really do anything about Gale's explosivity. Zverev looks like he's really going to break through. And I reckon next year could be his year. He is a deserved Grand Slam champion. And he's won Hamburg a few weeks ago. And he's made the semis now of Cincinnati. So it will be interesting to see how his US Open goes. Provided he's handed a nice bracket. His bracket this week wasn't actually too nice, though, because he had to come up against Daniel Medvedev. Against Medvedev, Zverev actually referenced his golf match with Alcaraz, in which he asked Alcaraz, how do I beat Daniel? And Alcaraz told him some secrets, apparently. And yeah, he prevailed 6-4-5-7-6-4. It was tight, but he prevailed, which he hadn't recently. It was the first time Zverev had actually beat him since the Nido ATP Finals in 2021. Medvedev had handled him in 2023 with the matches all in thousands, actually, Indian Wells, Monte Carlo, and Rome. Zverev wasn't playing too well, though, seeing as he's coming back from his injury. But going to Alcaraz for advice cannot be a bad thing. The way that guy is playing at the moment is insane, and I'm really excited to see the future of Carlos Alcaraz. Hopefully, he'll let some others win a Grand Slam or two, though. We haven't had an era of no dominance, and it doesn't seem to be slowing down, honestly, because Djokovic just cannot be stopped he's the terminator of tennis he puts a second serve on a dime when you need to he arguably could be one of the better servers or best servers in the history of the sport and his serve and its reconstruction if you go go back and watch the 2010 us open final or or semi-finals with i'm not sure which one with djokovic's serve and compare it to today it's just the the evolution of it at such a high quality of tennis is just immense to watch. I'm really excited for the US Open. Um, at the moment, we've got Winston Salem, which is a small little 250. I actually don't know where Winston Salem is in a in America, or if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Winston Salem. But he doesn't have the most of exciting people. But I've just seen Sebi Corder has actually won a match there, so that looks a lot more exciting. Six two six three. Unfortunately, Jack Draper did retire after his first set back for a while. That was against Talon Greekspor. Well, I think I think Draper played earlier on in the tournament. Yeah, I'm correct. Jack Draper beat Nuno Borges from Portugal, 6-3-6-1 in the round of 64. And Max Purcell, he, he played against Marco Cecchiato. Marco Cecchiato, who actually, he beat 6-4-6-1. And Marco Cecchiato, I have not heard that name in a while. I'm pretty sure he's a, he beat Djokovic, right? And made a semi-final in France? Or am I, am I, yeah, he lost to the quarterfinals. And, and it was just, crazy and people are like what's going on and then didn't he go and win the US Open or something there's a rumor that he cheated on his wife but I'm not going to buy into that I just threw this into the ATP circuit cafe because you know just overheard it randomly behind the table behind you and things went down here in his life and I just I didn't say anything 
Dennis Shapovalov, what's going on with him? He's actually announced that he's skipping the US Open. He's said on Twitter, he said on Twitter, despite doing everything possible to be 100% healthy in time for the US Open, my knee needs more time, and sadly I have to withdraw. That Grand Slam energy, especially NYC, is unlike anything else, and I'm really going to miss playing in front of the amazing fans there this year. That is really upsetting, because I like Shapo. I like his game, and he has had a really disappointing couple of years. Especially after we saw earlier in his career when he won all those Masters, like 1,000 matches. I actually saw a statistic earlier this year on Reddit about his matches. He actually won more or nearly as many as Nadal did like before he was 20 years old in Masters 1000. He had such high expectations, almost like Felix Auger Eliassim. It's just Canadian tennis ain't, ain't, they could have won a Grand Slam. Milos should have won Wimbledon that year. He didn't, though. He actually shouldn't have all as Andy Murray's year through and through. And I'm completely talking smack, but Chapeau, I really have high hopes for his future, honestly. But he will not be in the US Open this year. He's announced that this week, and that was very sad to see at the cafe. Taking it back to Winston-Salem real quick, I'll just quickly do the top four seeds for you, as well as a notable entry, Marcus Hiron, big favourite here at the ATP Circuit Cafe. So yeah, one, you got Borna Cottage. Two, Talon Griegspore. Three, Sebi Corner. And four, Laszlo Gier. Five, you actually got Jiri Lehechka. I'm going to sneak him in there. And six, Sebastian Bayes. Seven, Arthur Fies. Eight, Bodic van der Schlepp. I just didn't stop. Sorry, guys. Winston-Salem's a rather larger at 250. It's got 48 entries. But um, we've seen Rinky Hijigata go out in the first round. So, unfortunately, there'll be no need to pay any more attention to it. I'm, of course, taking the willy. But I love Rinky. But he seems to be more of a doubles player. I didn't say it. I did not say it. So yeah, we saw a great match in Cincinnati this week here at the cafe. But hopefully we can get something more at the US Open. And I am ambitious. I am eager and determined because we have had some of the best tennis this year. But I really think with the crowd getting stuck into Djokovic, getting really, really into Alcaraz, like they're going to get around him so much. I'm just so excited to see. Francis TFO, I reckon he's going to have a great year at this Open because he had, he had a big year last year. Riding the Netflix hype. I, I hate that I just said that, but he really is. And you've got players like, I don't know, Milos Reinich, Kevin Anderson, these weird wild cards that are getting back into it that it's just making tennis so much fun to watch. Zverev will have a good one. Kyrgios pulled out, but who gives a shit? And Nishikori's coming back. Team, he'll be in there. He's always sticking around. Of course, you, you can't help but love watching Sitsipas lose. So this has been another week at the ATP Circuit Cafe. This episode's been a bit over the place, but my life has been at the moment, so why not? Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed your mocha. I hope it was not burnt. I'll get you a caramel latte next week. Thank you. Love you. See you soon.